Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and if you're new to the show, welcome. I would really appreciate it if you guys liked, subscribed, and shared the show with your friends, and then on top of that, gave us a five-star review on Spotify. That way, people who haven't discovered the show before can discover the show more easily. In today's episode of the podcast, I have the great privilege of speaking with Emily Pritt. Emily is the Director of Brand Marketing at the Bowerman Track Club, and she's also so, an athlete services manager at Flint Sports, and then additionally, she is a youth club director and a Nike campus coach. Emily does so, so many amazing things in the running world, and in this episode, we dive into many of those. But before we dive into those, we go through Emily's own personal running story, how she got her start in the sport, all the way up to her six years competing at a NCAA Division I level for NC State. We talk about the lessons she learned there and so many more amazing subjects. And then as I was just speaking of, we go into all the amazing things she's doing at the Bowerman Track Club, uh, particularly, but then we also dive into a little bit of what she's doing over at Flynn Sports and her positions um, just around in the running world because she does so much amazing things. It was really awesome to get Emily on the podcast because I've heard so many amazing things from people who she works with who I've had on the podcast before. So I was super happy to finally get this podcast done. So I hope you all enjoy my amazing conversation with Emily Pritt, who does so, so much good for the sport. And uh, yeah, this conversation was just a really fun one. I had a smile on my face the whole time. Emily's just positive spirit and joy is definitely contagious. So I hope you all are impacted by this uh, story, and I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Emily Pritt. Let's get into it. Emily, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to get you on the show. Let's um, let's take it all the way back to young Emily. I'm curious to hear how you got your start in the sport of running and additionally what your first impressions of the sport were. Gosh, young Emily. She feels so far away. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel like probably similar to a lot of people, you know, I mean, I was um, athletic growing up, played all sorts of different sports, uh, soccer, basketball, um, all, all of it. And, um, you know, running is obviously a component of all those sports. You know, I discovered particularly in soccer, I, I had the, the strength of a midfielder, the endurance of a mid- midfielder, but um, I always participated in, in like youth track. You know, we had a junior Olympic track team that I got introduced by uh, Renan Dent. He was a track coach that introduced me to uh, a track team, but it was pretty interesting. I was like the only distance runner on this track team. So they just didn't even know what to do with me. It was like <laughs> long 400 workouts, like 400, 800, which I think was really good. But, you know, I didn't really uh, truly think about, you know, the whole cross country track full participation until middle school. I'm sure like most people, you know, there was, it was a teacher, right? Started with a teacher or a coach. So my sixth grade history teacher uh, just kind of was like, you should come out for cross country. It's so much fun. It's, I think you'd be really good at it. Um, Coach Heidi. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll come out. And then I just never stopped, um, you know, and then slowly over the years just became more singularly focused on running. You know, I played soccer up till high school. I played basketball two years into high school and then just kind of focused all on running the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, it just, the sport feels very synonymous with my personality. Very, um, I can be a little intense, a little driven. Uh, it's you really can just get 
the most out of yourself by just pushing yourself. And um, I always enjoyed that about the sport. Um, kind of, you can get the most out of what you put into it. And I think I always enjoyed that. I enjoyed the difficulty of it. I enjoyed the, you know, the, the pain and the, the uh, I, I just enjoyed that component of pushing my, myself. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what got me into the sport. And I just like never stopped. <laughs> that's awesome. So at what point in your running career, did you realize that running was something you loved and would cherish for the rest of your life? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I always, loved running I think like high school I definitely realized just the combination of obviously like my own running and what you know running every day or or training doing workouts running races being competitive that component but I just think the culture of the sport around other people your teammates competitors it's really unique it's something that totally different from my personal experience in other sports um you know, that's not to say there aren't, there weren't good teammates, good memories, good, good uh, times in other sports, but just a really unique camaraderie in running. It's probably because it's, you know, like I said, it's so painful, so weird. And we're all like, wow, we're just we're a bunch of weirdos out here. This is like the sport that we've chosen <laughs> to love. Um, but yeah, it was just like the community, I think, in high school. And then obviously moving on into college, it's just the people that I got to meet. Uh, the experiences I got to have, you know, um, all of that, you know, I, I running took me to North Carolina state, you know, from a girl from Ohio, as you know, uh, as an Ohio guy, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have done that without running and everything else that's, that's pretty much happened. The trajectory that's happened through my career, it's all been running all translates back to that, just the community and, and that feeling about what the sport means to people and what it provides people. So I think high school is really when I, was like this is something special but it's, it's just become more and more special sort of the older that I've gotten in the continuation of being involved in it at different levels. High school is such a unique time in most people's lives and you as you were kind of lying out uh, running played a big part in your high school so I'm curious to hear what were your favorite parts about high school running looking back? Yeah I mean gosh um I mean, like the competitions, you know, back then I was in high school, I'm going to date myself, but I, I was in high school 2004 to 2008. So I, I don't even think uh, NXN, like NXN was maybe, it wasn't even called NXN. I think it was called Nike Team Nationals in my last like two years of high school or something. I just like, I didn't participate a lot in the like national level running. It was a lot more local because it was just competitive. I had to, you know, go up against people like Emily Enfeld in high school. So I I was like, I think this is my max. I'm maxing out at Emily himself <laughs> in high school. So I don't think I need to see what's out there nationally. But um, gosh, yeah, just like the competitions locally and like getting to know people. I mean, like I had an incredible team. Um, my team, I think it was my sophomore year. We were second at state. Obviously, we were really hoping to win. We didn't win. But I mean, just like the team component of cross country and, and friends, meeting people, uh, one of my best friends to this day actually ran at a competitive high school in Ohio. Um, so, like, we were competitors, and then she actually ended up transferring to North Carolina State. But, like, you know, just the fact that we were able, able to, like, make that friendship as, like, competitors, I just think it's, you know, it happens in other sports, but it's extremely unique in running. So, I think just meeting people for me and just having those experiences and those memories with the people um, were pretty much, like, my favorite part outside of just, like, the competition like I just love to compete love to race so 
Um, I'd say those are like the biggest components of high school that I, I look back on fondly. So one last question, kind of culminating your high school career. If you could go back and give one piece of advice to your high school self, what would it be? Good question. Um, gosh, I mean, my first thought is just like tell myself not to be too hard on myself, but I kind of, I kind of like being hard on myself <laughs> and setting expectations. So like, that's the first thing that comes to mind, but maybe just like, honestly, something like extremely practical would have been just like, get in the weight room. Like I was in the weight room, but do more like, you know, when I stopped playing like, com- like competitive other uh, lateral moving sports, like my, a lot of things got a lot of weaker, like weaker for me. So I'd probably be like, keep, keep doing those kind of drills and exercises. Probably. I think it would have stayed a little, healthier a little longer. So I'm going to go with the, the practical piece of advice for myself. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is you could have used a calling little back in the day to help you out. I oh, I mean, everyone can use a calling little every day in their life. But yeah, I definitely could have used her, her assistance uh, in high school to kind of get me a routine. And, you know, I got lucky. I found a fantastic PT in college. But I think maybe some some habits were set in their ways in high school. So, yeah. So, moving on, as you kind of previously mentioned, but diving deeper into it, you then went on from high school to NC State, where you ran and competed at an NCAA Division One level. So, I'm curious to hear, because I think a lot of our uh, listeners, probably maybe some of them, are gearing up to compete at an NCAA Division One level, and some probably will never. So I'm curious to hear your take. What was it like to run and compete at this level for? I believe you were in college for six years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. I had a medical redshirt year. Um, you know, I would say all in all, the career didn't necessarily pan out as I was hoping, but you know, I think that happens to a lot of people. But yeah, I was there six years and made the best of it. Got a master's degree and I was able to kind of return from a pretty serious injury so that was positive but gosh you know like competing at a division one level I mean competing in college like in general it was just it was a dream come true um I don't even know if there was like a moment I thought in high school that I you know oh I want to run at this level it just sort of like happened like college coaches just started calling and I was like wow this is crazy I don't even know what's happening um but really it was just an incredible feeling of accomplishment from high school, all the hard work uh, I put in in high school. It was just, um, it was awesome. It was just really special feeling. And then getting to go to North Carolina state and, you know, I can't, I can't say enough things about coach, coach Geiger and coach Hennis and how important they, they have been in my life and how special it was to be part of their program. And, um, it, it was just incredible. I mean, even, you know, even though my career, I would say all in all, wasn't what I was hoping for. I still had a great experience. Um, I met incredible people. I feel like I did, I did accomplish a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it was just a really unique time in my life. I, I can't, you know, I don't have enough good things to say about it. How did you, I'm curious to hear how you balanced your time between running academics and other social things. And then maybe additionally, for someone who's listening, who struggles with this, what are your biggest time management tips? Yeah, I think, you know, it's all about prioritization. You know, what do you prioritize? What's important to you? What are the most important things to you? I think that kind of creates a pyramid for you of, you know, where you spend your foundation the most amount of time and then figuring out how to kind of balance all of those things together. I would say, you know, myself, I, I'm a pretty like 
zero, like zero laser focused person. So I was very committed and dedicated and had a lot of goals for running. Um, so, you know, between running and school, you know, a lot of my friends were on the team. So a lot of the social components comes with just being on the team um, and meeting, honestly, other athletes um, at North Carolina State. But, um, you know, it, it is all about time management. So time management tips, it's just kind of like, like I said, what are your priorities and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, right? Like you have to know yourself to, to balance your time. Like, you know, some people are, you know, they're better students. It comes a lot easier. I have a twin brother. He is so much smarter than me and things always came so much easier to him. And he didn't have to study him. He could rock right into a class and get an A where I just had to put a lot more study hours in to feel confident to go into the same test. And, hope to get an A. So I think time management is about knowing yourself and knowing what you need to be successful. That looks different for everyone. Um, it's kind of just knowing like, okay, can I study on my own? Do I need to go to study hall? Do I need a, a tutor? Do I need a lot of advice from my academic advisor? You know, it's just kind of figuring out what what success looks like to you and then really like honing in and, and like doing those things. I think a lot of people think it's just like one way to succeed or one way to do something. And there, there's, there's not, there's a lot of different ways. So I think it's just about knowing yourself and being really reflective of what you need to, to get where you want to go. And then from a leadership perspective, you were a team captain of the cross country and track and field uh, teams in your time there. And then currently, you're also a very successful leader in your current role at BTC, as we'll get into in a few short moments. So what do you think are the biggest attributes that make up a good leader? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, I think, you know, anyone can be a leader. You know, honestly, I mean, it was obviously a huge honor at the time to be the captain. But I think actually North Carolina State's done away with captains, because I do think they've realized that everyone has leadership capabilities. And I think that's great because I do think a lot of what good leadership is, is like making the choice to be a leader and then a kind of just like falling into what your strengths are. So I do think like good leadership to me is like setting a good example. Um, I think, you know, I, I always tried the absolute hardest when I was in school. I, I try hard at everything I do and I put a lot of effort into things that I do. And I think, like leading by example and like you can't expect other people to do things that maybe you wouldn't expect yourself to do. So I think like kind of walking that walk and like leading by example is super important and everyone can do that. Whether you're a 20 minute 5k person, an 18 minute, 16 minute 5k, you can lead by example and your commitment to what you're doing. Um, and I think another big component for me is just believing in people and like letting them know that you believe in them. I think things are really hard, you know, college is hard, school's hard, running is hard, life is hard. I think a lot of people just need to know that there's someone that believes in them or just like being a sounding board for their, you know, their, their concerns or even their successes, bad times, good times, just being a sounding board, being there to support someone and letting them know like you're in their corner. I've always taken a lot of pride of being like, I want people to know I'm like, I'm in their corner. I kind of look at it as like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've seen Rocky, but like Mick, the boxing coach, like I like to be Mick. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm in the corner. <laughs> I'm in the corner. Like, what do you need to get through this fight? Like, I just kind of really like to tell people things like, I believe in you, proud of you. This accomplishment was so big, so great. Hey, you know, I know you're going through a hard time, but you're going to get through this. I just think being vocal in that way, it doesn't have to be loud in front of people. It can be quiet and one-on-one. -on -one. 
I just think showing people verbally or, or whatever that you believe in them is super important to me in in leadership. Oh, I love that response. Uh, speaking of like more lessons, what are the biggest lessons you learned from your six years at NC State? Oh, man, gosh, it's a lot. I learned a lot. I mean, you grow like a lot in college and not just, you know, people grow a lot in four years. And I had I had kind of six years uh, to grow there. So I learned a lot of lessons. Um you know, probably one that I've held on to, and I'm going to try to get the wording right, is something that I remember speaking to Coach Geiger about. Um, you know, I was I, you know, I was having a pretty successful start to my college career, and then sort of got a big injury, had to go through surgery, took all this time to kind of come back from it. And you know, him and I were, were talking, and you know, he really. Uh, I always get the wording a little mixed up on this one. I, I understand the sentiment, but essentially, like, you know, you can kind of put a hundred percent if you don't put a hundred percent, nothing is guaranteed to work out, you know, like nothing in life is guaranteed to work out. But if you don't put a hundred percent effort into it, it's like really unlikely it is going to work out. If that makes sense. I can't remember the exact general sense, like the, the wording. Yeah, that makes it's sense. Kind of just, it's kind of just this lesson of like, things might not always work out as you intend them to, but if you don't kind of commit yourself a hundred percent, like it's almost, guaranteed things are not going to work out the way that you want them to. So I think the biggest thing there was just like our feeling of like, I did everything possible, humanly possible. And it still didn't like ultimately work out to the level I wanted it to, but I have a ton of pride in that. Like I did everything that was possible. There's no more I could have done. And I think like that sentiment of like just doing everything that you can possibly do. And then at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, it's like, at least you knew you tried versus like, not trying and then being like, well, what if, what could have happened had I committed myself fully to that? So I think that was like a big lesson. It's like, just because you do everything right doesn't mean it's going to work out, but I can guarantee you it won't work out if you don't do everything right. I think that was more of like the actual line, but that sentiment that, that Coach Geiger and I kind of spoke about has really like stuck with me over the years. One of the listener questions that someone asked was, is there a particular favorite race or moment from your six years there that you remember to this day? Ooh, yeah. I mean, the probably my my sophomore year cross country where um, I was an all American. The race was just crazy. I don't, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't like go into this race being like I'm going to be an all American. Um, and it was just like wild. I just like that was the race that like Jenny Simpson kind of like like collapsed and kind of like crawled a little bit. And like I ran by and she was like a hero of mine. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> this is crazy. I was like passing, I passed like Bridget Frannick, another like Ohio, I just like a bunch of Ohio legends were in this race. And I was just like having the race of my life. And I just was like competitive, but also like confused and just kind of like, what is happening <laughs> as this race is like going on? So like that sticks out a lot. I've had some really good 1500 meter memories, but like that race specifically just also probably just it has the most time, right? It's like 18 minutes. You have the most time to like think through things, but um that was really special, really cool um, memory for me, for sure. So you spoke into how good of a program Coach Geiger and Coach Hennis have kind of built up over the years. Someone uh, also asked, and I'm curious to hear your answer on this as well, what's it like seeing the program have so much success and so many individuals have so much success over the past few years particularly? Oh my God. It's so, it's so special. It's like very heartwarming. I kind of get like goosebumps when I think about it. It's just, it's a really special 
school, um, 100% driven by Coach Geiger and Coach Hennis. Um, you know, they jokingly, you know, they've been there forever. Coach Geiger's been there since the 70s. Uh, Lori was an athlete um, and then has, has been a coach there uh, for a long time. And um, they jokingly, I think, you know, a lot of athletes that have graduated recently have run for the Hoka and J&Y team. And I think, like, they jokingly call it, like a cult or like lovingly people call it like the NC state mafia. It's like, it is like a family. Like once you're in your family, it's like very much that, that feel. I mean, the amount of like marriages and relationships that have like come out of this program, like my, my partner was, we met at NC state, like Lori and her husband, Bob Hennis, who's an incredible athlete. They met at NC state. It just goes back so long. And it's just like so special to watch them, you know, Obviously, they've just gotten better and better and better over the years. And watching Ellie Hennis, who was 10 when I was on the team, if that doesn't age me, um, watch her success and then watch the team ultimately like, win it this fall. Uh, obviously, for the girls, I'm so – like, for the women, I'm so excited about it. But just for Lori and Coach Geiger, I've just known they've worked so hard. And thinking back, like, we struggled for sure when I was there. We just never seemed to, like – people would just like one key component would be injured or just like something. And we never could just like piece it together for like this ultimate success where I think we all thought we could be. So it's like fun to see, you know, 10 years later or whatever um, that it's like finally culminating and, and the culture is so good. there, it's so positive um, and it's competitive, but like everyone supports each other. So uh, yeah, I get really like emotional about it, like excited, emotional, because it's just such a special program for me and I know for like a lot of people. Um, so it's beyond words, awesome and exciting to see them. And I, I hope that they just continue to have the most success out there. Going from one thing to the next, and I don't really know the correct transition for this. So going from NC state we'll to exactly, that's how you do it. Going from one thing to the next, can you take us behind your journey of joining the BTC team? Yeah. Um, so I graduated and uh, in 2014 and then was kind of my background was in sports PR. You know, I'd worked for uh, actually like USA Track and Field as an intern. Um, I'd done a couple broadcasting internships. I thought I wanted to be a broadcaster, um, but then I kind of like got into PR a little bit more. Uh, and I had an internship with the Carolina Hurricanes. So I was kind of looking at like that front office sports PR um, lifestyle and kind of like lo and behold got lucky and got in a job opportunity with the Portland Timbers in 2015 to work on their PR staff. So, which was great. You know, uh, my partner Ryan Hill was running out here for the Bowerman track club. I was like, great. This is like a way to get me out to, to Portland with a job that was really important to me. Uh, let's do it. So I came out, I worked for the team for a year, really enjoyed my time there, had an incredible manager, but then was just kind of like, you know, I, this is not where my passion lies. I don't, I don't want to work in PR anymore. Sort of took a step back there and, and kind of was like, well, what do I want to do? I, I do want to work in running. I love the sport. Where can I do that? Um, and yeah, just kind of started getting more and more involved in BTC. I just also at the same time, honestly, I got involved with, with Ray Flynn from Flynn Sports. He was, you know, uh, my, my partner's agent. And so I kind of got honestly involved in, in both at the same time. Um, but yeah, with Bowerman, when I kind of got involved, it was just as a youth club coach. Like at the time, it was sort of like, uh, youth club and then like the elite team master's teams and the pro teams that's kind of like what existed at Bowerman at the time and uh, maybe like the summer 5k so I sort of got involved in, in 2015 I um, mean it's kind of just exploded since then 
So you're currently the Chief Operating Officer and Director of Brand Marketing. What does your day-to-day job look like for that? Yeah, I mean, the thing I love about, sometimes it's very stressful, but the thing I love is, like, there's no one day that looks the same. And, like, over multiple years, my day-to-day has changed so much. So uh, it's really very seasonally based. You know, in the fall, I'm, like, the director of our youth program. So a lot of that is getting you know, 40 to 50 volunteer coaches uh, up to speed and, you know, certified and everything. And then getting, you know, 375 kids across five locations, get their training set, get their races set, be the like kind of leader of that. Um, That's very, very heavy in the fall. Um, I'm very involved in like the strategy planning of the product. Um, I, you know, Julian Henninger is our our designer and Nate Malou has stepped in as like uh, a little bit like assistant product line manager. They've kind of taken a lot more of that responsibility, but kind of overseeing the general line planning of our our different product uh, drops is something that kind of just, again, very seasonally uh, I might be focused on. And then a lot of it is, you know, uh, local partnerships or activations. this summer we're doing all sorts of activities around the pre-classic the u.s championships world championships we're going to have like fan sections which is something we started last year and it came from my the idea came from my time with the timbers i don't know how familiar you are with mls but like the timbers army is this very iconic thing in portland and it's you know a huge cheering fan section and i really wanted to bring that to track so we did that last year we're hoping to do that bigger and better this year at pre and u.s champs and then we're going to have like a, a Bowerman clubhouse at a sorority we rented out for U.S. champs and worlds. So kind of like leading the activation and strategy on that. And then, yeah, so like social media has been a big component. I've had like a lot of luck with Courtney White, as I'm sure you know. Um, and then Claire Manley, someone that came in and she does more of the day-to-day posting, but kind of having a bigger strategy on that. So it's really a variety of things. It just depends on the time of year and what's kind of going on. But Generally, I would say a lot of long-term strategy planning for everything that BTC touches. I'm curious to hear, what are the biggest challenges you face most regularly in your role at the Bowerman Track Club, having these two massive roles? Yeah, I mean, I think just like we want to do so much. You know, we just kind of over the last like seven years, we just sort of added, you know, we just continued to add things. You know, it was like, oh, we'll just try our hand in product and then, um, sort of just continue to add and continue to build. And this trajectory of the pro athletes too has kind of like skyrocketed with that as well. So I think one of the challenges is just finding good opportunities that make sense for the club and like where to continue pushing the club forward. And then um, trying to kind of understand we can't do everything and kind of trying to step back and, you know, find people or partnerships where other people are doing a really good job And, you know, we don't need to cannibalize that. We can just partner with them there. So, like, an example is, like, we have this great youth cross-country program. It happens, like, September through December. Tons of people have asked us to do a track program. um, But, you know, in Portland, the CYO League has an incredible track program. So it's kind of like, you know, we don't have the capacity to do a year-round youth team. CYO does a great job. We're just going to encourage our kids to go there. So it's just, like, trying to find, like, where's our niche? Where can we really make the most impact? locally, nationally, internationally, from 
our standpoint and then kind of doing that and trying to stay focused on that. It can be a challenge. Because you've mentioned this a few times, I'll just ask the question now. I was planning on asking it later, but you're, um, you've spoken about your youth club many times. So currently you're a youth club director and Nike campus coach. So what has it been like to give back to the sport in form of coaching the next generation of runners and kind of taking the lead role of uh, developing this program? Yeah, I mean, the youth club, I probably talked about it a lot because it, uh, it is like a core component of BTC. It's one of the first things that started the Bowerman Track Club. You know, Chris Cook and John Truax, who now works at OTC, they and many other people like started the youth club and have really built it up into this very special core core thing that's really important for us. It's something that's really cool that it's very, it is important for our pro athletes. Everyone cares a lot about it. Um, it's really fun to watch a seven-year-old call like Evan Jagger his teammate. That's really cool. <laughs> that's um, adorable. My, my teammate won a silver medal at the Olympics. It's like, that's just so cool. Um, it's been like very special, very unexpected. I never thought I would coach youth. Um, I think I had this, thought that I would coach at maybe like a collegiate or like a higher level. I didn't know how to communicate to kids, you know, cause I do have, like, I do care a lot about running. I have an intensity about it, but I'm like, they're kids. Like a lot of this is about fundamentals, fun, meeting people. I've honed that a lot over the years, but um, I've really enjoyed it. I've been doing it long enough now where I've had a cycle of athletes come through that now are in high school really really enjoyable to watch them succeed in, in high school and love running and still have that passion and all those friendships no matter what high schools uh they go to so that really like echoes back to what i was saying about my high school experience it is fun to like watch that kind of grow from from the bowerman group um and just like watch the kids achieve things they didn't think were possible you know i just think um i feel very fortunate to have been brought in and kind of you know, I'm just like maybe like the face or whatever, but there are so many people that make this thing happen. Um, it's crazy. I just have a lot of appreciation for, you know, Chris Cook, we call Cookie, Truax, and Elliot. You know, Chris Derrick was a huge component of the youth club and just like 50 volunteer coaches, a lot of them, you know, BBC elite athletes or parents or whatever. You know, we have a set of grandparents that coach uh youth club just I'm very appreciative of them I love getting to like spend time with them and experience such a wide array of of athletes um it's been the most unexpected joy I've had in like kind of my running involvement you know other things I've kind of known I had a passion for but this has been something I didn't really know how much it would impact me so it's been very um very unique in that so as you've kind of described, every fall you're surrounded by hundreds of these kids. What are the biggest lessons you've learned from these kids over the years? Oh, my gosh. I mean, one, just like be honest with them. Like they like to be spoken to like adults, you know, within reason. And like they just love that. Just be honest with them, direct. I've, you know, I've learned that I, I kind of like constantly, I think this like echoes back a little to the leadership thing. I'm constantly like, okay, like, what can I say to these kids or like, how can I motivate them? That's going to like leave a lasting impression and whatever. But like ultimately just like trying to have fun. A lot of these kids, I don't know if it's like this, you know, generation or whatever. They're, they're already so hard on themselves or they're just so like have such a high level expectation for themselves. I just kind of also really have learned to like make it fun and like keep it fun, keep it low key. I don't want anyone to, 
I'm not training them out here to like win nationals in junior Olympics. Like if that happens, that's great. That's not because we're training them to do that. Um, really just to like encourage them, teach them the basics. Um, something that I always laugh at, like every nationals, I'm like, okay, it's nationals. Like it's like these kids care a lot. Their parents traveled all the way to Kentucky for this. It's like very, like I want to say and do things very memorable and like try to help them have a good experience. And like, ultimately at the end of the race i'm always like oh what did you guys remember about nationals and they're like oh the hotel tag was <laughs> like playing tag in the hotel was so fun and it's just like yeah like that's like perspective it's really good to have perspective so i i think that's ultimately like they've taught me perspective on like my running running as a sport i think there's a lot of intensity around it from everyone because they care so much and it feels like the end all be all but like perspective is like it's a sport it's fun it is serious but like we're doing this you know, because we were once kids running around playing hotel tag. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. That's such a great story. You mentioned this a little bit before, but you're also an athlete services manager at Flynn Sports. So what's it like having this role in addition to your roles at the Bowerman Track Club? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Um, You know, Ray Flynn, my boss, really gave me a great opportunity um, starting to work for him in, in 2016. And I'd say, like, if Bowerman is one thing, like, obviously I know from the outside, like, the, the professional athletes are a huge component of the Bowerman Track Club, but my job is much more, like, brand director and, like, community. It's much more the, like, you know, as you said, like, the behind the scenes of what makes Bowerman run. And the uh, the Flynn Sports, like, my agent, uh, my job as an agent is a lot more performance servicing the professional athletes. So those those are very separate to me. Um, and I, I love both of them. I love helping athletes at the highest level. You know, I love working with them and, and helping to helping them manage their career uh, as part of our team. We have an incredible team um, with Ray and, and Brad, you are Matt Sonnenfeld um, and Susan Judy. It's a, it's a great team to work for. We have some really great athletes that I enjoy spending time with and, and helping them in their career. So it's just much more performance driven. That's a lot more like actually managing the athletes and, and their their careers then like the Bowerman stuff is much more community brand. There is a lot of professional athlete components to it, but it's just not the same way that an, an agent is. And I, I love those uh, differences. So I feel like most sports agents or even COOs or director of brand marketing for you're the director of brand marketing and COO for probably the biggest um, professional track club in the world, or at least in my opinion, the most successful. Um, you can quote me on that. Um, I feel like most of these roles and most organizations are pretty heavily male dominated. So what's it like to be a fem- female in this space and kind of break barriers and uh, do things that most people wouldn't think you could do? Yeah, I mean, it's it can be heavy if you think about it. You know, I think there have been a lot of like female role models that I've had and, uh, you know, Coach Hennis being one of them. Um, I think she kind of showed me a lot that, you know, you just bring your talent and your ability and it doesn't matter if you're male, female, like you just bring your talent to it. And um, But yeah, I mean, obviously if I can like inspire women, you know, people to like, yeah, believe in themselves and what they can accomplish, then I, I will totally take that. Um, I think it's something that we're going to continue to see grow. You know, I know there've been plenty of other, you know, there's, there's a handful of other female agents in, in the sport. And I think we'll just see more and more enter it, you know, in, in a sport like track, um, it is accessible in the sense of like, it's not the NFL, you know, like it's not males only, there are men and women. And, um, and so I do think the opportunity uh, is a little bit, I don't want to say it's easier, but it's just like, it's, it's male and females 
athletes together. So I do think like you're going to see more females entering the space. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love what I do. And, and I think that there are a lot of, you know, women that could do a great job doing, doing what I do. So um, I definitely am always there to, you know, encourage them and, and support them. And, um, you know, I did a great event at my alma mater uh, for ESPNW about women in sport. I met other um, you know, people that were on the panel with me that I was inspired by personally. Um, and so I just think like the sky's the limit. I think there's definitely a lot of potential for females to enter, continue to like enter and grow that the side of the sport. So I've mentioned in this episode many times your your roles at uh, the Bowerman Track Club, and I just mentioned your role at Flint Sports, and you definitely have a great perspective on the sport of running as a whole. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what are the biggest ways you think we can grow the sport of running? Oh, man, that's so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's so many people like I, that, and I, I kind of get caught, every track person gets caught up in this, is like this one thing is what we need to do. And then everything is going to magically like track will become this pop more popular, bigger entity. I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's difficult. It's a difficult conversation. I feel like there's so many dinners, like three, four hour dinners where this conversation kind of comes up and it, and it goes sort of in circles. I mean, I think obviously some like more centralization, I think like more athletes competing against each other, I really felt like the the world ranking was going to do that, but obviously people can still run these these really fast times. But I think in general, if I was to just like handpick out of a hat like one thing, it would just be um, you know athletes competing more directly against against each other. Obviously, obviously something's amiss when it's like the biggest high school sport, like cross country track. They're the biggest sp- sports, most participated sports in high school, and then we slowly lose that and I, I don't have the answer to like why that is um so there's just so many that's like a dinner conversation for us dom we got like we need like <laughs> four hours for that so i'm just gonna hand pick like i would just love if athletes were, was more centralized and they just had a centralized way to compete against each other that's not gonna fix it that's just one thing that i think could make it better so i'm not gonna be this person that says like the gambling or beer or something <laughs> like that's gonna solve it all there are many things i think that could make it better um No, I really appreciate your response there because I kind of think as you were implying there, a lot of people talk about this conversation endlessly and I feel like a lot of people talk about this subject but don't actually do actions uh, that will help the sport grow. So I appreciate you speaking from this because you're one of those people that is taking actions every day to grow the sport of running. So no, I really appreciate that insightful answer. It's just going to take a lot of people. I I do want to, I appreciate that people care a lot about it. I mean, the fact that we're having the conversation, I mean, I hope, I think a lot of people have it in a very cynical manner of like, oh, if we just did this or did that, like it would be better. And like people have a very attitude of like, if I did that one thing, then it would be better. I just think if we all collectively did the best that we could and what we thought to help the sport, it would be good. So I think it's all in positive, I think, for the most part. I just think the idea that there's like one problem is the problem (laughs) (laughs) for sure um in your opinion which i would love to hear your opinion because you are definitely uh very qualified to speak on this in your position yeah so i have so many opinions so i'm happy to give it to you (laughs) oh i love it i love it uh what do you think are the biggest misconceptions the outside world has about the bowerman track club oh man yeah i think there are a few i i mean i do think there are a lot i'd say like the biggest one probably is again it's like i do understand that 
the professional athletes like make the world go around for us and they're a huge component of our club and they, they make a lot of things possible. But I think people don't realize like how much of the community component exists in the Bowerman track club. So I do think like it's one of like, you know, the best things and the hardest things about the club is it's just like, it's all perceptively like internationally, nationally. It's like, they're, they're the most accessible. They're the ones that are most, visible um and i get that and I, I i love it i love watching them compete at the highest level and succeed it's it's wonderful but there's so much more that the me that makes up the Maryman track club i mean like we have a master's team that of like 50 guys that are like up to 70 that are still like competing and racing and like again all these youth kids and we have people like you know, Carrie Dimoff, who's like working at Nike and training hard at like six in the morning. It's just like, and we're doing these events. We do like a high school camp. We just do all of these things to make sport better and more kind of like community based. Um, I think probably most people don't know that or they don't care to know that. Like, or, you know, it's just not in their sphere because they're a fan in, you know, Boston. They want to buy a t-shirt and support Elise Cranny. And that's great. And we need that, that, but I do think the misconception is uh, that we're this, this like huge corporation. We're not. We're just like the Bowerman Track Club in itself is a small run. Uh, a lot of people that care a lot and volunteer their time or like just give a lot to the club because they care about it. Um, I, I think that is like the biggest misconception is like we're just this like huge like well-oiled machine. Uh, we're, you know, we do our best. And I think we're really professional and organized, but you know, we're not Nike Memphis with the, with the shipping uh, uh, center. That's just like not what we are. And um, I think that gets lost in that, like we're a Nike uh, club. So it's a little bit different. The community side of, of the club is, is very important to the, the ethos and the core of what Bowerman Track Club is. You mentioned in your answer there, um, the high school camp you guys run and with our audience Probably being mostly high school based, being a high school based podcast with me being in high school, I would love to give you this opportunity to speak on your amazing high school summer running camp and maybe uh, pitch your idea to those listening who maybe haven't signed up. I would love to plug our camp for sure. Let's um, do it. Our camp is great. We, background, we started the camp. Elliot Heath is the camp director, I'm the assistant camp director. We started our first year of camp was 2019. It's in Bend, Oregon, which if you haven't been to Bend, it's an incredibly special, beautiful, wonderful place. Uh, dirt trails all over the place. Just a very outdoor, like, mountain town community. Um, so we started in 2019, had this wonderful experience, did one week with about 125 campers. And then, as you know, COVID um, happened, and, you know, we've been off for two years, and we kind of supplemented with a digital summer training program, which was great to get people, you know, that maybe wouldn't be coming to camp, get them kind of accessible. But yeah, our camp this, this year is two weeks. Um, two weeks. We're really excited to, to bring two weeks of camp. All, all of the information is on BowermanTC.com. But essentially, we're going to roll straight from U.S. Championships. So day one of camp is it's June 27th to July 2nd, and the, the second week of camp is uh, is July 5th, um, I believe, to July 10th. Uh, so it's two weeks. You can sign up for one week. Uh, we are even offering, we're, you know, offering scholarships. So if you like know people that would love to attend but maybe can't afford it financially, we're trying to make cost not an issue for people uh, that that need the help and. It's a great experience, holistic. Uh, we, you know, have a 
nutritionist, Michelle Tegenkamp, Matt Tegenkamp, uh, Olympian Matt Tegenkamp's wife, who is the nutritionist for the Portland Trailblazers. We have Jay Descherry, who's a PT. We, we eat all the food from Shalane Flanagan's Run Fast, Eat Slow Cookbook. Uh, it's just like a very holistic approach. It's not just running. It's, you know, camp games, river float, camp challenges. It's, it's a lot of fun. I had a great time in 2019. I'm so excited that we're bringing it back. So you or your teammates, I think we even, I don't even know fully because this might be Elliot's thing. I think we have a, a teammate discount. You bring a certain amount of teammates. The, the cost has dropped down. So you can find everything at BowermanTC.com um, or email camp at BowermanTC.com for more information. But, yeah, we'd love to have people uh, – trying to get people all across the nation. So if you know any good Ohioans, Dom, just send them our way. I got you. I got you. And for anyone who's interested, I know Emily gave you the website and BowermanTC.com. Shouldn't be too hard to remember, but I will also leave a link to it in the show notes uh, for those who maybe it'll be easier to remember to scroll down and hit the link. One last question, Emily, before we get into some fun questions. What currently excites you most about the team and organization? Um, like the pro team or like our, like the, 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 just the general team. You can answer this from whatever way you want to. Oof. I mean, we just continue, we just continue to grow and do new, new things like this whole world. Like I know, you know, we're doing this whole fan section and we're doing the, the house and just like, I love that our team is constantly ready for a challenge. They're, they're ready to kind of like perfect what we already have and that we do but they're always up for a challenge of like, that's cool. We think that will make sport cooler and more fun and accessible. Like, let's do it. And they just have like a head, head on full steam attitude. And I just absolutely, that like, it gets me so excited. And also just like when I have crazy ideas, cause I do, it's just so nice to go to people and then be like supportive and be like, how can we help? Let's work together. Um, so yeah, I just really am thankful for the people that, um, that I work with. Well, Emily, this conversation has been awesome, but to top off the already amazing conversation, are you ready to go through the rapid fire questions, also known as the going to the well segment? Yeah, hit me. Okay, number one, favorite piece of running gear or technology? Uh, okay, I'm such like a basic, like I, I just have like a Timex. So <laughs> I'm going to go with like, I'm just going to go with like my structures. I switched recently from Pegasus to structures and it's been a game changer for my Achilles. So I'm going... Uh, Nike structures. Those are, or, you know, those are my new, my new shoe. Okay, number two. What book has had an impact on your life? Uh, I'm gonna keep it in the sport. I'm gonna go running with the buffaloes. I uh, uh, love it. The big, yeah, big, big book in high school. Really, you know, in, really impactful. So over the past two years of having this podcast, or almost two years, coming up on it, I've had many, many Bowerman Track Club athletes on, probably in the teens at this point, and there's no one more I'm excited to hear their answer for this question. Emily, describe Coach Schumacher in one word. Oh, man. One word. Uh, it's going to sound like a basic word. Um, I'm going to use driven, but... Just think about what you think of when you think of a driven person and amplify it by a hundred. <laughs> like that's scary. So it's like driven is a very basic description, but like if you really take it as far as humanly possible, that's Jerry. That's he's like the most driven person that I think I know. Okay. Number four, if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, any pizza, big pizza fan, any type of pizza. <laughs> 
Um, on the food uh, subject of things, number five, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Oh, Lopez salad. Lopez salad is the best. Uh, it's great. I don't know if I can describe it. It's like kale salad with like quinoa, cube sweet potatoes, feta, green apple, salmon, a great dressing. It's like the best, heartiest, like great meal that I know to make. Uh, number six, how many sub four milers do you think you have in your phone? Oh, gosh. Oh, I don't know. Like, oh, 20. I don't know. 20, maybe, maybe probably more, but I'm going to go with 20. <laughs> okay. Last but not least. And I'm also very excited to hear your response on this one from being an outsider and having no bias to either name, which name is better Bowerman babes or Bowerman bros settle the debate. Oh, uh, you know, I love both groups so much. This is like choosing a child. I'm going to throw <laughs> you this a curveball, and I'm going to say budget babes is where it's at. So budget babes are the Bowerman elite team, which I, I've been, I'm part of, and we call ourselves the budget babes because, you know, we don't, we don't have the Bowerman budget. We are sharing five people in a hotel room at U.S. Cross Champs to make it happen. So I'm not going to pick between these two. I'm going to throw you a curveball and go, budget babe. No, I love that curveball. I love it. I love That's it. Curveball. <laughs> well, Emily, it has been an absolute pleasure you, pleasure having you on the show. I was very much looking forward to having you on the show and you exceeded my expectations. It's been a pleasure oh. hearing your story and hearing so many other um, hot takes from you and other things and all the amazing things going over on at the BTC. So thank you so much, Emily, for this conversation. I really appreciate it. And I'm a big Emily Pritt fan and cheering for all that you have got going on over at the Bowerman Chat Club. Hey, I really appreciate that. And you've got a fan in me as well. And I will come back on the podcast anytime. I appreciate you um, including me in the likes of, of all of the great people that you've interviewed. So I, I wish you best of luck uh, with the podcast in the future. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can also give us a five-star review on Spotify. That way, people who haven't discovered the show can discover the show more easily. You can also follow us on Instagram. I believe our username is The Running Effect. And then we also have a Strava club called The Running Effect Podcast. If you want to join and be with some fellow Running Effect podcast fans, share some miles with each other. So I hope you all are doing well. I hope your running is going well. I hope your life is going well. I hope to catch you all in next week's episode. So God bless you all.